Hey, beloved. Welcome to episode 58 of your Cosmic Mama podcast. I'm your hostess, Andy Murphy. And inside, we're going to be talking to my sweet friend, my soul sister, my longtime love of this and many lifetimes, Sabrina Perez. And Sabrina and I were way overdue for a conversation. Curanderas have this lovely term called the platica. And in a platica, it's a heart-to-heart conversation. It's that conversation that heals. Fuck, did I need a conversation that heals? Because in this um, turn, kind of into the new year, kind of, um, you know, just into January, it's been a lot. And I'm cautious. um, Well, fuck, I already overshared in the last two podcasts, didn't I? And I overshare, and then I feel embarrassed. Hey, ego. But I also show up pretty authentic and I want you to recognize that like the journey of this, the journey of the healing, yeah, the authenticity is what matters, the sincerity of how you participate here. So in our conversation today with Sabrina, oh my God, we had so many things to catch up on. We met way back in the Spirit Guides magazine days. Do you remember that? Do you go that far back with us? Back in those days where we were unknowingly preparing for what we've been walking now. I don't want to say the early days of ascension, but for a lot of you, the early days of awakening and of trying to find places to come together. Well, Sabrina and I were fortunate enough to find ourselves and each other again in this life. And after a couple of years of falling out of touch, well, Activate, our Akashic Mystery School, brought us back together. Both brought us back together as he does. And inside, we're going to cover lots of things. We had no agenda for this conversation. We had love. And she shared so many nuggets from her Mayan and Aztec memories and lifetimes and ancestry. Um, She kind of opens the conversation with this idea of flow, don't seek. Fuck yeah. And she really gave lots of keys of how to move out of the fear. Um, in that moving out of the fear, well, we'll also cover some things that might be a little controversial to some. I can't imagine that if you're here, anything that we say is controversial at this point. Goodness me. But um, Graham Hancock, check, check. Yes, let's talk. Matias de Stefano. Oh, yes. So uh, we'll be catching up on several things with you inside. And our love of trees, because one of my trees went down recently. Well, maybe a couple. And it wasn't until this conversation with Sabrina that I really understood what was going on with my trees and my friends and my loves. So as we begin today, we're going to open up some sacred space. This is how we like to start here. So please just allow yourself to step out of the everyday into these sacred spaces of you. Inviting in the sacred that's everywhere all the time. Breathing deeply into the expansion of your essence, out of your to-do list. As you align yourself with the divine. As we breathe into the all that is. And for whatever might be ailing or bothering you now, ask for something in this conversation to be exactly the medicine that you need. 
to be an answer to your prayers, an affirmation, a blessing that gives you the courage to continue bringing more of yourself to the world. Ooh, doesn't that feel better? Isn't it amazing what just um, a few moments will do? So without further ado, you ready to do this? Light a bowl, light a joint, light a candle, get some fire going, get some warmth in your body. As we get into episode number 58 of your Cosmic Wamba podcast. Angsa. <laughs> Angsa. Yeah. Hi, Sabrina. Hi, Andy. Um, whenever I think of some of my favorite people on the planet, you're always on that short list. And there's always the desire for me of like, I just want to talk to Sabrina. Um, so I think that is kind of what uh, we're engaging in here today is you want to catch us up with enough it's where you've been talk to me about your awakening let's start there where yeah. uh what what class of are you <laughs> lovely way to lovely way to frame it <laughs> um it's funny because as you go through your awakening you're like oh i'm going through my awakening and then you realize how thick those onion layers are uh -huh. that and they're thick and they they aren't easy to remove but when they are, you're like, oh, this is a whole deep, different level of awakening. Well, and as um, you were talking, what I saw was not even a layer of an onion, but instead like a stratosphere of reality. Mm -hmm. that's, that's exactly it. It's okay, and, and that's that's where th that's where this journey has taken me is a completely different um, angle of reality. I guess is the best way to put it. Like I'm being, I'm visualizing existence at a different angle of reality. Um, so it's an interesting place to be. Um, and, and it's, it, it's one of those places where you have to tread lightly, you know, like, uh, of, but I'm not going to today, just filters off. We will go deep. <laughs> well, and let's just recognize anyone who is listening, like you vibe with this, you get it. So yeah, we don't need any filters on this. We, um, we celebrate each destruction of layer, right? Yeah. Because it yeah. really does bring us into um, uncharted terrain. Oh, completely. Yeah. And you wonder, am I here alone? Um, I get this <laughs> visual of like, just sabrina in the middle of antarctica you know like i get this visual sometimes but then i realize like if you look at some of the terrain in antarctica it looks very empty but if you look closer there's thousands of penguins there so you're not alone you're just hanging out with penguins you know like um you know and other things there's microorganisms that live there you're not alone just in the physical sense of the world but, uh, of the word but you're also not alone on the spiritual sense of the word you're you're covered and surrounded by beings that are there for you so so it can be scary and it can feel hold on would isolating. you tell us about the first time you had an encounter with one of those beings who uh was always there with you yeah um it's gosh it keeps shifting but when it first started it was very ancestral so i think that was the best way for my awakening to kick off was um a more of an ancestral connection to this earth which is what we need so that we can stay grounded um but also it's more gentle than say a cosmic being who pops in and, and says hello so um for me um it was like a very ancestral aztec female experience 
um, this being came through and um, she was, um, and at the time I, I had no idea what I was doing and I started dabbling in chaos magic um, which I would definitely, <laughs> you have your own journey for anyone. I'm going to start with maybe, chaos magic. Huh, okay. Maybe not, but my journey was very, you know, I was, I was very in a very dark space and I was very punk rock, goth, dark, and just trying to find flecks of reality outside of my current dark drab existence. I didn't understand how colorful everything was around me because I couldn't see it. And so I thought the best way forward would be to like go through like some hermetic teachings and then like pop into some chaos magic. And that's probably not, um, I highly recommend against that. I highly recommend you just flow with what your intuition tells you and not seek. That's the, that's the key here is I was seeking, I was mm. seeking and seeking. And, and that's kind of the beginnings of your awakening is to seek, to search, to Google, to Google, to Google. Um, and that can lead you into some interesting places, all learning journeys, but maybe you might want to avoid some of them like chaos magic. Um, that said, what came through was kind of scary. And I thought, um, at the time that it was because of the chaos magic, but then what I realized was the story of this, of this sort of beautiful moon goddess that came through that was, was from the Aztec kind of pantheon had gone through so much trauma in her existence um, that that was kind of what was coming through. And um, and it was the first time I put like an actual um, feminine energy on my altar. I hadn't put any masculine or feminine energy on my altar. And so it sort of kicked off the understanding of the balance of masculine and feminine, how important it is just like in our own inner universe. Um not just our outward universe, but our inner universe. So yeah, she came in and she was traumatized. She was traumatic. It was um, Quil Shalpi, which is this moon goddess. Um, and the story is, I'll tell it really quickly. Um, she um, warned her mother of the birth of Hutzlipochli, who is the war god of the Aztec pantheon. Um, the, I believe he's also the sun, but he's the warrior and he's visualized as the hummingbird. Um, she warned him of that sh that the mother should kill him because he is going to bring war. And he literally cut forth himself from the womb and um, removed her arms and her legs and her head. And he tossed her body parts down to the bottom of, of her altar, um, her pyramid. She has her own pyramid in, in Mexico. And um, he tossed her head up into the sky so her mother um, would be able to see her as the moon. So she became the moon that way. And um, I hope I didn't butcher that story. I'm pretty sure that's pretty clearly what it is. And it's it's just a sad kind Your of use traumatic... of the word butcher, I think, is also really... <laughs> I know. <laughs> no pun intended, but it was a butchery. It was a butchery. Uh, it was a traumatic goddess that came through. And that it actually... Um, many years now past now it's it's interesting how these layers have their own trauma attached to them as they unfold and there's reasons for them you know there's reasons that these these entities come through to us and not all of them are pure but that's not something to be afraid of it's something to understand why they come through at the times in our lives and at the levels that they're at um, and so she just came through to open my mind to reconnecting to the Aztec aspect of my existence cool. 
um, which I had literally at that point never gone into Aztec or Mayan Mayan anything. Um, And now that's part of deeply part of the magic I work with now. It's, it's, uh, it's very important to me. So it's, it's crazy how this just happened that she came through during a deep meditation. I was doing like a candle meditation and um, that was in 2018. Okay. And, um, and it led me on quite an intense journey. Um, I mean, if that's where we begin is with a child cutting its way out and butchering. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, would you tell us a little bit, as you talk about her, I have no context. So let me just say that. I don't have any Aztec memories or it and I haven't studied. So um, to throw her head up feels like to have no body and to throw her head up feels like such a lunar experience of things of like, you're not grounded to anything, but you might be able to see and perceive. But like, it's that mm-hmm. reflection. It's not true of anything. Um, that feels like the most lunar goddess story that I've ever yeah. heard in my own experience with the moon. And you could imagine too the emotion, how intense the emotions then flow from each phase of like, see me now, I'm here when I'm full. And then now I'm not being seen as I flow away. So the Aztec wow. pantheon is Yeah. I know. And we're talking about this on a Cancer moon. So um, we've I got know. that going with us. <laughs> hmm. I know. I just got chills on that. Um, and, Tell me uh, her name again so that we can honor her. Quail Shalki. Thank you. Quail Shalki. Yeah, I'll let you. I'll let you send that to me later so we spell. I it. won't spell it because <laughs> it's even more confusing. Um, but she's, she's a she's she deserves to be remembered and to be loved. The Aztec pantheon is very bloody, um, uh, as opposed to the Mayan pantheon, which is beautiful and wise and like. Um, just so deeply rooted into the cosmic and mathematical ways of the world. Whereas the Aztec, there, there's, there's, there's gods that, that are very earthy. And so you get that energy of like, man. Yeah. Brutality to it. Like the Mm -hmm. brutality of earth versus the enlightenment of Maya that does Mm -hmm. go very cosmic and huh. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. And it kind of um, flows with, and this is why it's a good beginning step for an awakening in a way, because this is kind of how the onions work. This is a really great metaphor of understanding. Um, we get these stories told to us. These stories are told to us about our past. Um, and they they then create this these people that worship these gods that are very brutal and warlike. Um, but these, but but as you dig deeper, you recognize that past those people, these foundations were founded, these civilizations were founded previously by by mentors and teachers, giants, um, avians that came through. And this is where the Mayan knowledge comes from. Um, and so it's like, these are just surface level understandings of these monuments, even, even Egypt has that deeper, like you go back to Ken and then you can go back even previously from Ken to the very beginnings of of the Sphinx being built. Well, and, and it's like so, that idea that I know Robert Edward Grant talked about this recently. And it's like when somebody asks you like, what do you do, right? I know that I always have that moment where I'm like, 
Um, I don't know how much can you hit, like, what's, what's the thing that's going to allow you to like understand or grasp like who I am. And so with those cultures as well, like we can't understand all of the complexities and subtleties and the history of it. We just might have the most recent layer of it mm -hmm. of like the Aztecs are a warring tribe of mm -hmm. Mexico, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, it's pretty dismissive and, um, pretty base level. Yeah, it is. And it's. I think that's why we're in an interesting space right now with like the Graham Hancock series, right? A lot of people are a little up in arms about, um, about just sort of diminish dis he's dismissing the native aspects of these, of these um, beautiful uh, sites. Right. But that's not true. He's just expressing the deeper layers of where these sites came from, because these sites, many of these sites have been around, for many thousands of years longer than than even we can remember. And so he's and just that the he's beauty just of Graham's work. Like mm -hmm. he's trying to help us remember something that has been forgotten. Um, I, haven't, uh, I haven't paid attention to any of the controversy. I'll just say like, there is usually at least one uh, device in my house that's running the series, even if I'm not watching, just so we keep it on the top for Netflix. We're like, mm -hmm. this is what I want. We need more of this. Yes, please. Yeah. Yes, please. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's I I I normally don't de delve into controversy, but I found this controversy very like interesting because I am all forever an optimist about humanity's shift into like a better, um, better vibration, and so I really find that the the controversy is actually causing question, Ooh. and when we start to question our beginnings then that's when we know we're in, we actually are in a good space. Like it's a good indicator, like controversies aside or, or any kind of like um, paranormal weirdness aside, the fact that people are like, no, this makes sense. And I feel that this makes sense, which is really that gnosis of like, yes, yes, this has been here for a reason. And we were capturing these stars for a reason because we were so, we were not, technologically advanced but we were we were advanced enough to know that something big was coming and we needed to leave these these reminders for people that this was happening and that happened 12,000 years ago like we can't dismiss that we had that knowledge just because we didn't we don't want to hurt the native folk that moved into that region and worshiped and loved it and kept that story alive mm. it's not that's not the that that's not the point we have to keep reaching further back to remember our roots so that we can shift how, you know, from like everything from like how we raise up our children even needs to shift. Oh yes. Um, so, and we can't make that shift if we keep telling the same no, I think stories. It's lovely the way, like, as you talk about it, the controversy of it, it's getting people to engage. It's inviting a conversation. It's allowing us to probe and look and see. And it feels interesting, right? Because obviously with COVID, like there was lots of like uh, harder conversations because we didn't really know who and what we were. It feels mm -hmm. like the conversations that are being had around this, it's less ideological. And it is like poking and prodding something, as you said, it's a gnosis, it's a memory of, mm -hmm. um, you know, whenever I listen to Matthias de Stefano, that's not knowledge that I have, but I listen and I'm like, fuck yeah, I remember that. Okay. Mm -hmm. It feels. And so for us to um, be finding these things and engaging in ways that are provoking the feel of things and the inner mm -hmm. knowing, 
Oh, that's a pretty cool place to be. That's why, you know, I just, I just saw Avatar 2 recently and the first Avatar I rewatched because I hadn't watched it probably since it came out. Hmm. And I just, I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to watch this three hour movie. Um, because I just remember I enjoyed it, but I wasn't awake at the time that I watched it and enjoyed it. So this is me going back and watching Avatar as awakened and understanding like how important it is for all of us to get back connected to the earth. And so I watched it and, um, and if you've not watched the first Avatar, I'm going to probably, spoiler alert, the big tree comes down. It's been some years. You should probably watch it. Um, and the the um, the first, this is probably the first time where the gnosis of this experience actually happening came through to me so deeply that I was just racked with such grief because I'm so connected to trees right now that like it was such grief to see something destruct destroyed in this manner that I was like, these are cellular memories that came through as this beautiful story. These are cellular memories that have been passed on. And this is how these stories get passed on and we can't forget. That's why a lot of cosmic people who follow the beautiful connection to the cosmic beings that are here in support of us say Star Wars is a cellular memory and a story that happened of a war past. It's true. And like that, 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 reality that we feel that such a you wonder like why was I so deeply affected by these moments in these cinematic stories that come through and it's because there are these memories reminding us of where we're from where we come from of many lifetimes that we've lived where we've experienced this sort of destruction there's so many pieces of what you just said that like I just want to expand first off I am personally grieving two trees right now um, and so deeply, and it's such, I can't even comprehend why I'm grieving these trees so much. Um, what I will say of one of them is, um, as he was taken down unceremoniously and unexpectedly, like, I've spent a year with this tree. Um, I know him. I love him. He's my Saturn tree. We have a very intimate relation. Uh, not that intimate, but um, kind of. Like, oh, no, kind of. Kind of. <laughs> when you um, ground into it, it's very intimate. And as he has come down, he said to me, he's like, I've taken all of your wishes and like they are noted and they're being enacted. You have space for new dreams now. Um, wow. And he's also thanked me like no one no other human had a relationship with me like this. And, and I grieve that no other human will. Like, um, yeah, I'm grieving trees right now in a very profound um, way. I don't know how many people are connecting, and I'm sure that there's many of you who are listening that are connecting in the same way we are with trees, but the trees right now are so loud. They are so loud. And the reason that they're so loud and the mycelial network that that's what i was just gonna so say loud. like they're earth mushrooms is what the trees are. are right because they, they 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 are our we are symbiotically connected to these trees we wouldn't survive without them and they wouldn't survive without us right so they but they just like we find joy in our children laughing and in just playing fetch with our dogs and petting our cats as they purr the trees find that same joy in us interacting with them. They love us to touch them. They love us to talk to them. I know. Like, I don't I know this, Sabrina. Like, no, it's this. very true. They, I sit, I sit with trees. So 
that's what I do. I sit, I sing to trees and I sing their stories. And, um, this and one I'm so down, grateful. It's a quad of four of them. Um, and as this one went down, it's just the three that are still there. And I sang to it and I gave offerings and like, yeah. The first time a tree got taken from me, and I say that because it, I was renting a home. And this just happened last year, actually. I was renting a home and it was um, it was just after spring. So it was probably, I would say it's April at this time. And the other uh, like note was left on my door, like, um, we've sprayed your tree. And I'm like, okay, don't water it. And I was like, great, pesticides. Like I need that, you know, that was like my 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 uh. myself, my annoyed self, <laughs> my very human side, like great. Now I can't let my kids play out there. Like, what are we doing to these poor trees, you know? Um, and then I'd say a month later they came by while I was at work and they just chopped the tree down. And I was in love with this tree. And I was like, you can't just, how can you, it was like how? the most shocking experience. And it's that's what I knew. Like, yeah. yeah. It was like my, the breath had been taken from me and I was like, oh, I have a very deep connection with trees. I didn't realize until that happened that I needed to get to know the city trees because we walk past them every day and, and, and we don't say, Hey, how's it going? Um, and, and so I just touch a tree every, I mean, I'll just, five trees in a row like hello 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 um just because who knows how long that it, they've been sitting there you know dogs peeing on them like, like yeah. just hanging out and like they don't mind but nobody's ever said hey how's it going you know so um I'm was grateful to move to an area um when I came back I went to Mexico this year or last year. And when I came back, I was grateful to move to an area where I would have never in my life imagined that in this area of the South Bay of California, that there would be so many trees here. Like I'm just in awe of how many trees there are um, in the city. So we go on just city walks and we're just surrounded by some of the oldest trees, like the root networks of these trees are so massive that like entire um, there's redwoods. Um, I was driving through um, Burlingame and there's redwoods on this one street that are, the root network is so big that like they've overtaken the sidewalk and they're growing into the road. Yeah, babies, <laughs> do it. Love it. Uh, they're, they're, there's the redwoods and they're eucalyptus and eucalyptus of course can grow so tall. So um, it's just incredible to know now my trees like the trees are beautiful and can i tell you the first time that i got to uh not to santa cruz the first time i flew into san jose um i'd rented a car and i really had to stop because the trees and the plants were so loud that i'm like i can't just keep driving and i was like literally like trying to get uh, I think to the Rosicurian Museum, that was my first stop when I got there, of course. Um, but the neighborhood, like everything was so lush. I was stopping in neighborhoods and I would like stop and I'd get out and I'd talk to the trees and I'd take pictures and I'd get back in and keep driving. <laughs> no, it's, when I got back from Mexico, I was called to stay here. And when I was called to stay here, I was like, why am I staying in South Bay? Like, why can't I be like in Los Gatos Hills in the Redwoods or in Santa Cruz? Like, but what, what we have to recognize is, is we hold a vibration. We all, as we awaken, our vibration grows, it builds, right? And that's literally all we need to do to serve. 
to serve this planet, to serve Gaia, is to hold a vibration. We need not do nothing. We need to do nothing else. We don't need to heal, to be a healer. That's a beautiful journey. But don't come down on yourself if you're if you're not finding that thing. Because literally, to just sit and exist in a high vibration and know of who you are, that's all we need to do. Imagine all of us. If one person sits in their knowingness in the middle of the Silicon Valley, a thousand people around that one person is affected in that vibration. So imagine if all of us just sat in our knowingness in Silicon Valley, where all the technology is being formed. Imagine what that can shift to. Well, as you say it, right? Because the tree network, the root network of the trees, the mycelial network and the network Mm -hmm. that they create, we as humans, we are creating those same networks through our frequency and through our, um, you know, I think the healing and the clearing is one piece of it, but it's not, your job is not to fucking heal. Like, can we, um, I had to remind myself of that earlier in the bath. Like my job is not to heal. That's (laughs) happening on its own. You know, it's funny, whenever I do ritual with mushroom, and I'm so in gratitude that that even exists. um, But when I do, it always comes through to me strongly before like, I get really deep into my connection with mushroom. Um, Hollow bone always comes through. Because that's what we are. We are channels. We are not healers we are channels to flow the energy through because we they just need that energy to come through in some way and we assist in flowing it through whether it's just sitting under a tree in the middle of silicon valley we're healing we're healing in that respect of just sitting or whether it's you know going off and um doing some beautiful reiki work on somebody who needs it and is called to you for it or or do you know going into your akash and helping you to understand something that you're just coming up against the wall on like all of these are beautiful things but one thing i had to really teach like not teach myself but like surrender to is i am not one who's called to service in a traditional sense i am called to service in and being with my trees and digging my hands into the soil. That's how I'm called to service and to remind myself to ground because I'm often floaty and I have to like pull my soul back down and dig my soul into the soil. We're here <laughs> like, we gotta be here. This is um, what we're here for. Come, I wanna come full circle. Um, there's a Star Wars piece, we might get back to that. But I wanna come full circle with this beautiful Aztec goddess that you worked with who obviously had to pull herself down to the earth, just as you're saying as well, mm-hmm. to remember how to be human. These Aztecs who really were like kind of one stratosphere of humanness. Mm-hmm. What was your time in Mexico like? <laughs> I haven't talked to you about- I know. Um, Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to preface this with sacred union is not easy so all of us are searching for sacred union which is a beautiful thing but sacred union is not easy especially when you surrender but surrendering is beautiful and what I did was I surrendered and sold everything that I owned including my favorite car in the whole entire world. I had a Subaru WRX and I loved it. It was fast. Oh, and you love cars. I forget that about Subaru. And I love cars. Yes. I'm totally a car girl. My dad um, had low riders growing up. So I'm definitely a car girl. Um, So I sold everything. 
Um, and I sold everything because I had to get down to nothing to rebuild anew. And I didn't realize that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a big follower of the guides, student of the guides. And I love Paul Seligan. He always says, um, after you raise yourself up to the higher, higher, high room or the higher vibration, he always says, behold, I make all things new. And I love that saying because, um, because we do, we can, every morning we have the capability to make all things new every single morning that we open our eyes. And so I, I had to get down to nothing to get to Mexico with nothing. And this journey for all of us collectively has been one of surrendering to the idea of fear and releasing it. We have to transmute this concept of fear, fear of death. Yep. Fear of catching a disease, yep. fear of not being seen, fear of not being heard. What we're doing is we're allowing the fear to one, run rampant and we're getting louder and louder. Like you have to see me for who I am. And the reality is, is we need to release and transmute it and be okay with, uh, with who we are and no longer being afraid of not being seen. You know, and that's a hard thing for us because uh, I just so need you to pause right there. Cause like, yeah, if I had you in my head two days ago, like Sabrina, that's all I probably fucking needed to be reminded of. Yeah. Um, and the fear, you know, I feel like I do a pretty good job transmuting lots of fear, but somehow whenever it's, um, I'll mark that. When it turns inward, it's, this is something that, that I had to work deeply on in Mexico. Um, one thing that happened in Mexico I was called there and I was called to the, um, to the jungle side of Mexico. So I was called to um, Quintana Roo, which is like on the Caribbean ocean, um, the Caribbean side. And I was called to Playa del Carmen and Tulum. Um, and I was also called to um, Valladolid, which is just this beautiful little town. Um, and I went to Chichen Itza. I was really called to the cenotes. Um, so just part of my my star map of my Mayan connection is I walk the path of Shivalba, which is the underground. And that's a whole thing we can do, like a whole segment on just like that if we wanted to. Um, but, um, but the cenotes are like pathways to the underground. So it's a really good way for me to like meditate and get into like kind of like that womb-like state. So I probably went to like 15 cenotes just because I was in love with them. Balam, did you make it to uh, those cenotes there? Uh, yes, I did, and they're amazing. Make it to the I made it. I made it to the jaguar head, and I was like, goo, goo, goo. Uh, "Yeah, my hands get sweaty. Like, there's so much to remember there that I need. I I would like more hands on. I I definitely feel like I need to like spend a year there. I feel like I need to go back, but um, but we have to just. I surrender to where I'm called to. I don't. I literally don't. This is you want to ask what layer of ascension I'm at right now. I don't make plans. I'm like, if it happens, it happens. I will pencil it in. Lovely. But I can't, I literally, because you never know. You never. don't know. What's gonna, maybe I'm not supposed to do that one thing and I have to be okay with it. Um, and so, anyhow, I get to Mexico. I've sold everything. It's me, my um, sacred union partner, and my um, one and a half year old <laughs> daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like let's just go traveling in Mexico. And beloved uh, speaks and no Spanish car. as well. Pardon? Does your beloved speak Spanish as well? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So it wasn't like we were diving in and no. didn't know what we were doing or where we we're going. It was perfect. He um he's Peruvian. So um 
anyhow, we we get there and um, we we sold everything, so we had nothing except for a suitcase, and um, it was amazing. It was probably the best experience I've ever had. But what it was was me realizing how powerful I am as a as a being. Okay, so and I'll explain it this way. Um, we I believe in total sovereignty of my existence. I am sovereign and you can't tell me what I can and can't do, period. And I live in my truth of that. It has nothing to do with conspiracy. I just, if I want to do it and it feels right to me, I'm going to do it. And if I don't want to do it and it feels right to me, I'm just not going to do it. And it has nothing to do with any kind of study or research or anything. That's just how I am. And so part of that to me is I just can't stand masks. It like, I feel like I feel like I'm going to strangle to death if I have to put a mask on. So if you want to ask the amount of mask time I've spent these last few years, very minimal. And uh, leading up to going on this trip, I knew um, that I would have to wear a mask, not only in the airport, but like for the five hours of the flight. And then once I get off, I'm going to have to be masked up. Um, and, but I was called so deeply to this that I was like, are you sure? Like, are you, what the heck? And I just had to surrender to it and sold everything, got out of my, my, my lease was up, um, moved in with my folks. Um, um, everything was worked out fine. I had like about a month then of just like, okay, I'm going to take off and. And quit um, job too. Uh, that- no, I worked because I can work wherever I am. Okay. I can work wherever I want, which is, you know, I'm blessed with that. So thank, thank you universe. So get there, um, get to the airport. And that literally the day before they lifted the ban on wearing masks at the airports in the United States. And I was like, awesome. So ban lifted, don't have to wear a mask, get all the way to, um, to Mexico. I know it's not that case there. Um, like three days in the state of Quintana Roo lifts their ban of masks. I was like, yes, I'm supposed to be here. <laughs> you know, as silly as that sounds, like um, it's really a vibration that you elevate to. And and what a mask can create is like, you're not able to really connect on a physical level. It's a barrier and it's a barrier based in fear. Like now I'm afraid to talk to you and say hello to you and ask you how your day is as my neighbor because you might give me something that I'm afraid of. It creates um, separation will, and distrust. It's a deep separation and distrust. And um, I'm so grateful that it got lifted because Mexicans do not have that. They love to talk. They will just touch your baby and goo goo gaga your baby. They don't care. And it's the best thing ever. And they're just talking to my baby in Spanish and she's giggling and people just aren't, there's no barriers to like humanness yes. and connection and warmth there. And so it was so refreshing for me coming from like people like not afraid to talk to me on the path um, and like masking up, walking past me to like, just like open arms of like this warm city and this humid climate with this jungle around me. And it was, um, it allowed me to do a lot of deep work and I did a lot of releasing and so did my partner. And when one thing that happened in Mexico that I want to just point out is sacred union is important, but sacred union comes with releasing 
deep releasing. You release with each other, but you also hold each other in support as you release. And sometimes you also like want to just punch them. But like, but it's it's because you're releasing these deep old indoctrinated ways. And for me, a lot of what I was releasing was self-worth, was like who where I came from and the fear, the fear of who I am now that I'm my parent as my parents immigrated to America, the fear of being who I am and being accepted and like being in Mexico and being accepted and open arms and it was like not only that but connecting with those who my daughter's name is luna and when they would see her it's such a beautiful mayan community there they'd say ah ishel ishel which is the lunar goddess of maya and she has her own island you know and um uh and so it was beautiful that they would call her that um and they loved it. They loved her. They they just thought she was this beautiful. And they're like, you have to take her to the island. So we did. And um, Luna definitely prefers Mexico to America. Just she likes the humid moisture of that, that region too. Like we have to have a humidifier on at all times. Like it's so dry in the Bay Area. It's not really that dry. But for her, it's like so dry. <laughs> too much. Too much. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was a beautiful experience and it was intense um we went to i have to tell you this story because um this kind of explains to you the work i did there i was doing a lot of like um releasing of my generational stories but my generational stories are many people's generational stories because we all experience generational generationally the same thing as we as our families immigrated to america um, and as like, you know, the, the, the Spaniards came in, it's the same kind of like, um, I'm going to ask to pause right here so that anyone listening can just give yourself a second to tap into wherever it was that your family left homelands to come here. Because almost always when we're dealing with any type of generational work or curses, it's when you left the home country that this thing comes in so um wherever your people are from if you can just um tap into that as we listen to sabrina and allow yourself a release as well it's interesting too that you say that because it's where we leave that puts us at the most vulnerable state that these types of energies and entities can connect to us and then they connect to us generationally from that moment forward because we know not any other way than to pass it on to our children. Um, And so that's what we're here for, right? If you want to know the real work of why you're here and I'm here and everybody who's listening is here, it's because it's enough is enough and we got to just nip it in the bud and cut that off. Um, Because we have these new children coming in that are, their DNA is so insanely advanced in us. They're so crystallized already that like, um, they don't have time to deal with this bullshit. Like there's no other way to put it, but it's just a bunch of bullshit we keep passing on that we've got to clear out. So that's what I was called to do. I was called there to start clearing that out. And I went to, and I've been studying under the Mayan Wisdom Project. I've been studying a lot of the Mayan culture and I highly recommend if anybody, and I know Andy has her own Mayan um, connection, but the Mayan Wisdom Project is amazing. They, They will teach you like the calendar and the ways and understanding because Right now, the Mayan elders agree that it's time to share the story of the beginnings and where and, and the magic of the Mayan mysteries, because 
it can be so helpful in this day and age to understand how they connected cosmically and physically, you know, of all the different spiritual bodies, how they connected into the earth, um, because it will be helpful for all of us to know that. So highly recommend them. Um, but as I was, one of the things that really stuck with me was that Mayans didn't, um, didn't um, sacrifice. And when you go to these sacred Mayan spaces, the tourist tour guides are telling these incredible stories of sacrifice. Oh, there were so many sacrifices. There was like blood, rivers of blood, like running down the stairs, and um, and like oh, the the Mayans disappeared because they killed themselves off because they. One of the stories was they um, polluted their cenotes and their drinking waters because they sacrifice so many people and I'm like they're so intelligent that they build these beautiful <laughs> like beautiful like pyramids that correctly line up to the solstice and create a snake cruising down the side of the pyramid but they aren't dumb enough to like yeah. poison themselves and their entire kill themselves off <laughs> anyhow um but I knew instantly the gnosis in me was just shifted when I got there. Um, I got to Chichen Itza and it was like, the story is wrong and I know it. And as we were cruising through this tour, um, more and more of the locals were setting up their, their wares to sell, you know? So it was like, like not one open space on the edge of the jungle surrounding this sacred place there was not one open space that didn't have a stall where they were selling their gear because this is the only way that they can make money is tourism. And, and this is how they do it. Right. And, but this is a sacred space, like a truly, truly sacred space. That's like, there's this imbalance. Yeah. And so I instantly understood um, because I'm very connected to the ocean too. So I'm connected to the trees. I'm connected to the ocean. And I instantly understood by sitting there the imbalance that's happening with the tourism sargasm is not because of global warming no it's fucking sargasm um we're just gonna say sargasm sounds like sarcasm it's not it's the um it's the seaweed it's an algae the red sea it's an algae that that blooms it's incredibly fast the way it blooms oh, so mad. But there's nothing negative about it the sargasm because i connected to the spirit of it is showing the imbalance mm. just like our pain body when we have an imbalance in our own physical body gaia has to show us imbalances in specific ways it has nothing to do with like global warming or blah da da da, da. Mm -hmm. it has to do with the the tourism imbalance and the way that the people are surviving there they these are people that should be connected to the earth and now they're connected to just surviving yeah. Because the imbalance of tourism, the greed, the lack of infrastructure. So that's that's what this is. And eco hotels, me. you say? Mm -hmm. Yeah, eco hotels. But really, like, what are we? What are we? Yeah. Look at look around us, you know. And that that really hit me hard when I was there. Mm -hmm. And then um, my little being, Luna. She's um, she's like her own little existence. Um, she's cruising along with us, you know, um, as we're cruising through the pyramids and uh, the pyramid. And then we get to this point where um, where the tour guide is talking about um, um, Onyx. Is it Onyx? No. 
is it onyx or is it what's the other black obsidian obsidian so sorry obsidian blades it's that chichen itza so we're at a at a, a obsidian stall out just like literally like the pyramid and here's an obsidian stall and he's telling us about like how they would oh this is a ceremonial blade and da 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 and don't worry we we won't sacrifice you and he points the blade to my little daughter he's just joking everybody's like you know you can tell he's just like trying to be funny um but luna was like no. i'm gonna like literally lose my shit in a way that my parents have never seen before because i no longer want to listen to this guy's stories so i couldn't finish my tour because i'm in flow and i listen to my child and i'm like we can't be with him so we had to like oh. just wander chichen Itza on our own and re-remember how we saw it on our own and um it actually was better you know it was actually a better experience than listening to this these bad stories story of and and you notice that in general like everything is being invaded in this world whether it's yourselves from a virus or like a civilization or everything is a war in this world and i think we need to reframe it because really is is yourself being invaded by a virus or is it getting something from it we don't know but a cell one cell we are one cell on gaia we are one cell on this earth and gaia is one cell in the universe mm -hmm. so how do we know what our one cell is doing when it's dancing with a virus we don't know and so for me i just recognize that like like we can't we can't presuppose that they're attacking um yeah we don't live in a, yeah, don't live in the paradigm where this is uh us versus them right We're exactly not how do they know they're just existing and working together to try and keep this being as is you know <laughs> so but that's that's the truth for everything um and so i really think that a good way to keep them as savages is to make them warlike and murderous. Um, and I really think like if we reframe it as like they're incredibly intelligent, they're connected to the cosmos and the stars and their magic is beautiful and it's very connected to the earth, um, earth and plane and many planes above and surrounding us that, that we could probably learn way more from them than uh -huh. what we're allowed to. Can I say, uh, as a white woman, so I understand the uh, inherent trick of that, but I think the cartel is like the sargasm as well. Oh, like, yeah. It's, it's this energy thank you. is like very um, antithetical to like what the sexual energy is here. It's really cool that you brought that up. I'm not cool, like as in the cartel's cool, but I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because, um, you know, there's these, um, and I don't really know this. I'm just, I'm just from the energy that I get when I was like in this town at this OXXO, which is like a 7-Eleven, um, that like they own quite a bit. They own quite a bit, including I imagine those stores. Um, that's just my, what I'm suggest, I'm assuming. Um, <clears throat> and um, at times it's symbiotic. I think at times it's symbiotic for the people because maybe the government isn't doing enough. Huh. But, and so we can't suppose that it's a negative experience and at times it can be an imbalance. And I think you see that in the areas that are being more ravaged by that and probably like um, 
I can't tell you once where I had a bad avocado in Mexico, but I can tell you how many times a week I can have a bad avocado up here. Um, and that's when, well, you know, the cartel took over the avocados at one point last I year. do. That's yeah. why I'm bringing it up. And I, I love that whatever they're doing, they're providing perfect avocados for their people because <laughs> I didn't have one bad avocado and I was buying them at like the OXXO. Yeah. Inter- and mangoes. I've never had a bad mango. Never had a bad papaya, mango. Right. Like by the time it gets here, those papayas. Just, mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, there's, I think it's the same. There's a balance. Like there has to be negative and positive in flow. There has to be feminine and masculine in the flow and in balance for us to be able to like basically live in our truth. Like if you really want to know what manifestation is, it's being in balance and living your truth. That's manifestation. It all comes. It, it's all, that's how, that's when they tell, oh, to be magnetic, you have to do la, 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 la. It's like, yeah, you have to balance your masculine and your feminine. You have to be, you have to live in a place of love and no fear. Mm-hmm. And then ching, 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 ching. You want to talk about yeah. magnetic. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. I think some places the cartel is in a good balance. And some places it's out of balance and the same thing with the tourism and the same thing with like, I mean, we can just go down the line for all of us. There's um, some places Sabrina, can I tell you that I have never been to Chichen Itza because the story or like a false memory of the brutality there. Um, so Copa I can do, Tulum I can do, but Chichen uh, and thank you, Ukshmal. Like when I was in Ukshmal, we had to wear masks while walking around the ruins. It was that phase of yeah. mask yeah. time that like even if we are thousands of feet away from people we would hear guards whistling at us to put our mask back up yeah. while we're walking outside so um you know and those were early days people didn't know so it's not um no it, it's understandable but it was it was intense in that region intense. and it, and i wouldn't i would say too it's more it can be a control mechanism and that's probably why a fear and control again well, and um, they also have a population that doesn't have access to the medical care that we do mm-hmm. in other places. They don't know what this is. And if you've only got tourists who are coming in and don't know where they're from, you're protecting your people. Yep. 100%. 100%. So Chichen Itza was intense. So I've learned that when I get sick, what we call sick whether it be a fever or a cold or whatever, it's usually like I have to transmute some low energy and it's transmuting. And for me, I do a lot. I have a lot of um, throat chakra work that I do. And so for me, it comes through um, either as a fever or, you know, through a respiratory release. Um, And when I got to Chichen Itza um, that night, I had a crazy fever and I don't know why. And it went away. And then I was fine. Like there was nothing else. Like it was the night that I got to Via Dolid. I was, I had chilled there and I was like, I could feel it. I could feel hot. And I was like, um, and I like look at my partner and he's like, um, are we releasing? Cause he was feeling the same thing. And I was like, okay, let's basically, we just knew we had to be prepared. Yeah. Um, but what we were prepared for the next day at Chichen Itza was like, the stories I'm getting emotional the stories the, when you say a false memory false memories are real 
Um, like false memories is a real thing. And we have to recognize that like there can be so real that we don't want to break them. Just like the matrix, just like the world, you know, that we live in. Like To a narrative or to a version of things. It's such a sacred, beautiful place that, and it's massive. It goes further down beneath that like the story is being told in unison and in mass around these on a daily basis is a spell to keep this region in this low vibration and you see it through the town. Wow. And if so I had story to- story is being told to every fucking group- Every through, day. Then this is what- Hour after hour. Um, and Ukshmal was the same way, and I don't mean to interrupt, but um, Ukshmal where they're like, well, this is the nunnery. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking? Um, it's a cosmic university when you get into it. But the way that they were talking was so- counter to my um yeah experience and what was yeah okay chichen itza so yeah the narrative of it uh creates its own force field yep of poverty and of pain and suffering and so it's important for us to go and to envision it in its truth oh great okay does that make sense um it doesn't Thank you. Yes, it makes sense. And I'm wondering whether you want to lead us in an activation of that or whether I will do that later. But I can put up some graphics and we can just um, kind of reset that Chichen Itza with some guided. I don't know if I'd be able to, if I'd be good at it. <laughs> You're so great at the activation. Oh, shit. I haven't been there, though. Like, I don't have. That. I know. I, um, hold on. Let me, let me just go within and see what I can do oh man that just makes me so sad um thank you as you're calling that in i'm just going to remind everybody um we're going to be moving into an activation then um please no driving do what you need to ground yourself to bring yourself into your body safely to receive and to participate um through an open heart of love okay i have words coming through so Beneath the Great period, Pyramid of Chichen Itza is a cenote. And a cenote, if you're not certain what this is, visualize this beautiful pool of fresh water in a beautiful cavern of limestone. Um, and I ask you to just go into this sacred womb of water. Just pull your body down into it. It's very cooling and cleansing. And then I want you to imagine, it's right at the center, at the base of this beautiful pyramid. And I want you to imagine this beautiful cosmic energy flowing from the top of the pyramid down through the many layers of the pyramid, down into the water, activating the water and surrounding you like a womb. as you sit in this beautiful water, like you're in this womb, this beautiful cosmic womb, you know that you're about to be birthed anew and you're gonna remember the beauty of this place without the blood, without the war, or without any thoughts in your mind of being like the conquest that happens there. You're going to wake up and released, walk out of this beautiful cinema day. 
staying in this cave beneath the pyramid and know that you're, you've reimagined it as it should be. This beacon to the stars to connect you and your people to the seasons so that you can be prosperous, so that you can grow food, so that you can play a ball game and celebrate together in love and in joy. Elevate yourself to the top of the pyramid and look up at the stars. It's a beautiful night sky with a full moon. Just breathe in the cool jungle air. And then find yourself back in your body. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. I'm not ready to come back. Give me one more minute. Um, it's so powerful, Sabrina. So um, as you guys go through this, like, yes, we can watch Graham Hancock and be like, oh, yeah, there's memories. Uh, you can also go and have your own and not being there. Uh, because we do work on energetic planes. I won't share my experience of what just happened, but um, I'll be curious to hear about y'all's. And encourage you to share and recognize and um, perhaps even reclaiming the places from your own lineage. I had that experience at Newgrange in Ireland where the story of what they were telling me didn't at all match my experience. I'm like, what the fuck are you like, this is clearly yeah. a singing bowl. Like, do you guys not know that this is like built for acoustics here? Um, the stories that they tell are to disconnect us from memory mm -hmm. and to keep in mechanisms of control and power. And that's why it's important to keep telling these stories. That's what I love about Matthias Stefano is his stories are truth. We know it, we feel it, it resonates in us as like, yes, I remember. I remember the alphabet that you speak of. I remember the words you're saying. I don't know how, I just do. But if we don't tell those stories and agree with them and know that they're true, um, we won't, we will never go back to this the, the the we will never be able to appreciate what surrounds us in its truth because i mean it's not like they did it on purpose they just don't remember, don't remember. and they have to make up stories and then they stick to them you know well it's too dangerous to not stick to them because then it unravels the fabric of what people believe like um yeah yeah, yeah it's um we you know you see this with um you know the stories of the Essenes versus the stories in the Bible, you know, the stories of the Essenes, the Essenes are, you know, this beautiful group of people that are greatly connected to um, technology and understanding that's ancient, like incredibly ancient knowledge. Um, I believe the blue aliens and the giants mm -hmm. worked with them. Um, and so th these are the people that taught Jesus. Yeshua and these are and so people so, prepared for Jesus and Yeshua for him and prepared for Jesus and Yeshua and sent him to the Druids sent him to the Egyptians 
to learn more of the mysteries. Um, and so we can learn their beautiful stories or we can stick with what the Bible says, mm. you know, it's like, you know, and, and not look at it as the beautiful metaphor that the Bible, the Bible holds many beautiful metaphors, like, and that, that we can learn from. So, but it's like, we have to realize that there's more knowledge out there that's just as genuine and beautiful that we can pull from. As you said um, about the Bible, what I heard, it's like, it's a tome of morality, right? They're mm -hmm. telling us how to behave. They aren't mm -hmm. actually passing on a history of anything. Um, one of the one of the things that really stands out to me is um, the golden rule was removed from the Ten Commandments, and the golden rule is literally just to treat others as you would treat yourself. Yeah, just just come. <laughs> Why from would us? you remove that? Well, and then Jesus has to come and like teach us that again, right? Yeah. In a horrific. And so it's like the, there's there's nothing wrong with understanding the different types of knowledge that's out there, but to pick and choose from it is where we we have folly falls upon us. Yeah. But to understand all of it, because it's all in here, it's all in all these cells. Um, to understand all of it is a beautiful thing because then we have this more beautiful like understanding of like how unique we are. As you just pointed to your head, like what I saw is like, the only thing that they actually control is this. They control our mm -hmm. mind, they control our thoughts, they think that they have shaped them or limited them in some way through our indoctrination in schools and churches, etc. Mm -hmm. um, but they haven't actually gotten to a heart or to the cells, as you said, like, it's just no. so clear that our sovereignty is everywhere. And this is the only thing. Um, and that's where fear is for the most part. Fear is a thought. Fear is not an actual lived experience of like, people are scary. I shouldn't. Um, they, that's even more of a better description of what they have control over. They don't really have control even of your mind. They have control of the fear lever in your mind, mm -hmm. how to pull it, how to twist it. What is that fear lever going to do? Um, you know, how, how, how much do we need to pull this fear lever on these things? Like, you know, I live in the South Bay and there was like a big storm coming through. And if, if you were to watch the news, you would think the world is going to die and end from this uh, storm. I think they pronounced, they described it as um, brutal. It was a brutal, it will be the most brutal storm we've experienced in a long time. And um, nothing that Gaia does is brutal. Like it's wonderful and magnificent in, in its destruction, but it's not brutal. Um, and the trees, they stretched their furthest they could stretch, you know, in the wind and some trees fell and some mountains slid and some shifts happened last night and some shifts will continue to happen. But if we keep framing it as like punishing as punishment, Scary. that's how they tweak it. Now you're so worried. Like, what if the tree falls and hits my house and my house is ruined? And like, what am I going to do? Um, or if you could just like. Well, and they've done that with, um, I'll say the one that I watched that was very, you know, entertaining butter. Like there's going to be a butter shortage and everybody like stocks. Up, and I'm like, y'all are just making shit up at this point in time. Right. Like, come on. Shortage. Is there going to be a heavy? Is there going to be a heavy cream shortage? Because you know we could just make butter with like a mixer and heavy cream. <laughs> no, 
Um, so what I want to say is like when they put into the collective consciousness, it's going to be brutal. Then forces of weather and nature respond to oh, this. Oh, we manifested energy. this yeah. collectively. Yep. Yeah, we manifested so hardcore collectively. We forget the spell work that's being done as they verbalize the brutality of a weather, as a, of a weather, yep. a span of weather. And then everybody talks about it. And this is, this is, um, and I, I don't want to get controversial here, but this is. Oh, um, we're way past that point. Are you fucking kidding me? You're so cute. But this is, this is how we can deeply manifest a deep response to sickness is just like the constant fear, the reaffirmation of fear, the reaffirmation of the symptoms. What's the, the reaffirmation of, pardon? What's the antidote to that? Um, well, <laughs> to not be afraid of it, but how do you not be afraid of it? Um, fear is a lie. You've heard this many times. Fear is a lie. Fear is the biggest liar. Like there's literally, your body is a universe. We've talked about this. So I know, I know that if I get a tickle in my throat, how to clear it because I'm not afraid of it. And I know what it's telling me. It's either telling me I need to speak. It's telling me I need a release and I have to listen and I have to sit with it and I have to understand why. And do I surrender to it? Or I'm like, no, you know what? Sorry, I'm not gonna surrender to you right now. I got a lot of shit on my plate right now. I can't surrender to this, but let's release it together. Let's get it out of, out of here. Um, and that, is a hard place to get, but the way that we get there is really working on a day-to-day -day basis with fear. Like, why am I afraid to catch this cold? And why am I posting blame on this cold of that little boy who licked the arm post that I touched? Like, what I have to do is take responsibility for my body mm. and my actions and my surroundings. And I need to stop posting blame on everything around me and also I need to stop seeking outside of me to some expert to tell me what's wrong with me because again words are spells so if I'm like hey I got this pain right here and I go and see an expert and they're like oh you know what your tendon is stretched now my tendon is stretched and now I'm going through the whole healing process of fixing my tendon whereas like maybe I should have thought why is it hurting here and that's where it's kind of controversial where we're talking because why is it hurting here? Hurting. Um, and and what am I doing? Fix it because that's usually where we go, especially as you know, in this yeah. practice of self healing. What do I need to do to make it better? And it's not, it's already perfect. And what is it trying to convey? I think is the beauty of there's, what. There's absolutely nothing to fix in our body. You are correct. Everything, our body is so perfect. Our body is so perfect how it is, how it, how it settles into its weight ratio naturally. Some of us are super skinny and some of us are super overweight. And, and that's just how it is. It has nothing to do with obsessive eating or da, 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 da. Like all these things you're told you're wrong. Like this is the thing that I get really fired up about. Um, you can diagnose your child on the autistic spectrum. That's totally fine if that makes you feel safe. But there's nothing wrong with your child. No matter what level they're at, even if they come here with like a lot going on, there's nothing wrong with them. They are perfect as they are. 
we had to get to this space. Well, and uh, I'll say that I'm on, uh, we're having some challenges with my lovely 15 year old challenges that look like um, not really giving a shit in school and not really showing up for school. The lying mm. about it, different issue. Um, <clears throat> but as I was really bothered by this and deeply troubled by this, one of my girlfriends reached out and she's like, Andy, you remember that you like raised her for nine years in Waldorf, right? You remember that you raised her to keep an open heart and an open soul. And now she is in an institution that is like, you should be doing this. And she's like, fuck that. Why? And there's I something wrong with you if you don't do this. Right. And there's nothing wrong with these kids. And our kids nowadays, they don't, there's nothing wrong with them. Like they're not challenged at school, then they're not challenged at school. Yeah. Like, who are we to be, who are we to be like, oh, there's something wrong with you that you're not engaging with your teacher and turning your homework in. What's wrong with you? Like nothing. nothing. I don't want to do like, They just that's don't stupid. care. And that's okay. There's other things that they do care passionately about that they're really good at. What if they're really good at making videos? What if they're really good at like um, uh, producing music? What if they're really good at like, analytics of like something really good at coding like anything that's like on a device anything that's like not normal people get so nervous about oh they should be in sports they should be excelling in all of their classes like no man like we have to we tell ourselves as in the spiritual community be kind to ourselves and forgive ourselves and we have to be that way with our children because like, hey, man, maybe they're just not good at math. Yeah. And they're being told and they're being called out all day long that they're not good at math at school and they don't need to come home. And, Who and, cares? Right. Is it the end of the world or is it you that feel like you failed? Yeah. That's the problem. You didn't fail. Well, Sabrina, because... I need to pay you for today's time because you've... <laughs> What great therapy you've given to me today too. <laughs> but it's, it's very, it's very like, we need to, it's true. You know, we need to like hold these children and love them um, and let them be. Stop forcing them into these freaking boxes so that the schools can get more money because they pass these tests. Yeah. No, I like opted her out of all tests and they were, we had, we had some issues. Good. I opted her out of all tests. <laughs> And then they put her in remedial reading and they're like, well, you know, we don't know what her test scores are. So we think she needs help. And I'm like, I opted her out. And if your only fucking metric for how she's doing is this test that I'm telling you, you can go suck your own dick about, you should That's... communicate that to Thank me. You. Like, <laughs> we've got issues here. Like you're looking at that as a standard of like what she is. And I'm telling you, like, I'm, I don't, I don't do stuff. I am. Um... I'm not interested in that. A dear friend of mine, he's a genius, like literally a genius. Like he's very introvert. He's got a lot of like issues. He's a genius. Um, he can't pass a test to save his life, but that guy can code his way out of a hole, man. I've never seen anybody be, he can code. Um, he can create the most incredible 3D art. Um, he's, he's doing fine as an adult, but he couldn't pass his way through testing. <laughs> He couldn't do it. He couldn't get his coding degree. And he's a better coder than I've ever seen any of the coders I've worked with. And I work in e-commerce. So I've dealt with a lot of people. Um, and he just couldn't get his degree because he couldn't pass the test. And he felt that he was a failure yeah. because that's what society tells you. And you know what? He's not a failure. Wow. He's making an excellent amount of money and an excellent living doing what he loves. 
Um, and I just want to like highlight that thing right there, what society tells you. Like that's kind of what we've been talking about all day today is yeah. uh, with Chichen Itza, you believe it's what society tells you. With Jesus and Magdalene, it's what society tells Like there's been so much um, mm -hmm. control yeah. narrative that is now breaking because we're having our own experiences and we encourage wildly and radically your experiences because anytime that you go to a book and I watch this with people who are either new in their awakening or really like they're seeking in that phase, they're reading all of the other books and I'm like, you're just reading about other people's fucking channeled experiences. That doesn't mean that it's true. Um, and I'll even say that with crystals and I get mm. even kind of frustrated with astrology at some points and I'm like, yeah. it's information, which is helpful. But if we look at it as being like finite or definitive in some way, we're problematic because it's just what somebody else remembered that you might remember differently. I think about, and, and that's very true. Like astrology is a good example of that. Like some people live and die by astrology, but, um, but they live and die by astrology based on what? Because Babylonian, <laughs> Babylonian stars are the correct stars if you really want to be real. So you're living and dying by a Gregorian system. setup. Yep. And it's a system that, that was that was put in place. But like all systems are put in place. So it's like you can live and die. But if you go to like an older star, uh, hello, suddenly I'm a freaking Scorpio. What happened? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's so much. There's so much. It's a beat. Look, look, the planets, they move. And they affect us because we are 70% water and we're spiritual. And, and they we're move. from there. Like they're we're from there and they're beautiful. And they tell us stories. Our, we, we see from monument to monument to monument how much we revere these beautiful planets as they move across our sky. Um, but 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 that doesn't mean that like on May 8th, because there's a trine or like a square, you're gonna have like the shittiest day ever. <laughs> it's possible and mark your retrograde like we can also recognize like yes there might be a little bit of an influence that yeah let's uh we, we could yeah. get into rabbit holes but uh what we i want like the four, four retrogrades a year come on <laughs> what i want to encourage is to have your own experiences with these things mm -hmm. and to um ask for your own memories to be restored rather than reading what somebody else has remembered and told you that it is yeah. because that's um it, it's not it's not a true pathway and that's really like the cure all of fear is to trust you and to stop seeking outward answers. It was a really hard period of my awakening where I couldn't seek a guru. I couldn't go out and um, talk to somebody because I'm not, I, I wasn't allowing myself on purpose because I needed to trust this body. Um, and to trust this body, I had to listen and not, second guess and when you get to a place where you can listen and not second guess then fear is no longer an issue because you're not afraid of how your body's reacting to certain things you're not afraid when you have a headache you're not afraid when you're when you feel off or you have a low day because you know what it is you're releasing you did a ritual the night before now you're at the re releasing part you were at the high part of the glory of what it is that you're doing with now your ancestry. <laughs> and now you're, yeah, now you're releasing and you have to, these dark nights of the souls come quick and, and, and more, more and more as you move along your path, because you're just releasing. And sometimes you're not even releasing for you. Like 
a lot of the times I'm releasing for the collective and not in a negative way, in a very positive way, because my experience is your experience is your experience is everybody's experience. And so if I release, it releases. Um, and so, yeah, that the, the, the story of the trip to Mexico was a complete surrender so that I can get to a place where fear no longer exists in my, in any cellular, anything. Um, I don't know if we can test that out. If like a Tricerus, like a T-Rex was to run in here, if I'd like pop into like fight or flight, but I'm not afraid of, of interact, human interaction any longer. And I, and I encourage that I encourage many of the listeners to understand that like you serve just by being, even just talking to a homeless person um, is a way to serve because you've shifted their energy by just asking them how they are and what their name is. And it's just simple things like that is how we can serve and elevate the vibration. And that's what Jesus, that's what Yeshua was teaching us was how to find love amongst us and within us. Like the coming of, of Christ is within us, the Christed energy. It's like not um, some special savior. It's us. We are the saviors. We save ourselves. And in saving ourselves and caring about ourselves, even though that seems selfish, we're actually saving everybody else. It's you know, a radical like paradigm that is shifting mm-hmm. and that I've um, I played with the idea of like self-centered. Like I want to bring back self-centered because that would change a whole lot if we weren't so concerned with other people. Take care of yourself. Know what this is. Show up in love. Be kind. Be decent. Um, and don't believe what you're being told. Have your own experience with it. Um, and the gloriousness of this era of awakening that I think we're in our own experiences matter and we have access to these things. It's not like um, nothing is being kept from us. The universe wants to be in living relationship with us. The trees want us to love it. Everything in this living universe is living in the same cellular way that we are that wants to engage in more love. So it's only when we are in a place of fear that we have pulled ourselves or retracted from the ability to have those engagements encounters and experiences that we're really in trouble Hmm. exactly yeah it's i love that i i think that's perfect that's just a reminder of you're sitting with your intuition and feeling that fear feel what it feels like in your body it never feels good Mm -mm. and and like release it because it's not true um and i learned this because i suffered from severe anxiety debilitating anxiety growing up and i would convince myself very much so that i was dying that i was going to have a heart attack or i was having a heart attack and i believed it um but it was anxiety and the anxiety was built upon from fear from like indoctrination right um if you can make yourself believe that you're having a heart attack yeah truly believe you're having a heart attack um then you realize the power of your mind Mm -hmm. and your mind is not truth your heart is truth so Mm -hmm. anything else you'd like to share that hasn't come up yet today i'm a little bit curious about uh your experience with Thoth through that last round of the Akashic. I don't know if that's too personal. 
Um, but I, I know that Thoth kind of called you back in in a way that um, I was delighted by. Yeah, so I had said earlier that I was like on this journey of no, not being able to connect in. I had to very much be sitting with myself. And I just popped back onto the map when the um, when activation was going to be starting. So it was like, I was like so excited that it was going to happen that way. <laughs> and it came through, it came through as me reconnecting. Oh, I had to tell you this. Can I tell you something really quick? I don't know what our timing is, but you have to hear this. I, um, I, I here's, how it, here's how it happened. Um, I had Luna in 2020. Crazy birth, beautiful birth, miracle baby. Not miracle baby, like, oh, she's a miracle baby. But I mean, she's just a miracle because we all are miracles. But anyhow, I have Luna. Um, and I'm like, again, deathly afraid because they tell you you're going to get pregnant. So, you, so I'm like all afraid. I don't want to have another baby. I just had one. Uh, so what do I do? First control contraction goes in. Don't think anything of it. I've had it before. I don't think anything of it. I put it in. Anyways, it's giving me hell from the time I get it put in until the time I get it taken out. But I don't realize it's that because I keep telling my doctor and they're like, oh, it's all these other things. Stopping to like go to the doctor and like listening to myself. And I'm like, it's the contraption. I'm taking it out. So I take it out and I take it out. And I'm sitting in my office. This is my office. I'm sitting here in my office and it's like a straight up those download cosmic. I've never had, you know, people talk about this. I've never had this. This is my first time. It's the next day. So I took it out the next day and it was like, and you're back online. And I was like, oh, oh shit, shit. Oh shit. The power of fear hmm. is so important to recognize because had I not released the fear that I would have another baby and that I wouldn't have the knowledge to follow my cycle. Yeah. Something that we've been doing, what did we do before birth control? We had to follow our cycles. You know, we had a lot of kids because we had farms to tend, but we also followed our cycles. We knew what our body was doing and when. Yes. Exactly. So um now I've got, you know, I follow my cycle. I'm all natural. I have no hormones in me. Um, both came through strongly and I connected and he said, it's time, it's time to reconnect. And I literally texted Andy that moment and you just happened to say, yeah, we're going to do another Akash round. Mm -hmm. Come on. It's crazy. And I, and then it was beautiful because I needed that connection because those came through. So those has many different iterations as we know, he's the all, like the all father, almost like Odin. He's so ancient. Um, and, um, Odin just snarled at that. Fuck off. <laughs> I know Odin's when I said that, I was like, Odin's not going to like that. I said. <laughs> oh Odin's um, got an ego in a way that Thoth does not. <laughs> no, Thoth is, uh, so, so he came through as Hermes Trismegistus for me. And I was like, what the hell? This is so weird. And I wanted to share that because I think it's important for all of us to know that like our ascended masters have many iterations and they come through as do our spirit guides in certain iterations that are important for us at those times. And for me, um, sacred geometry just came online for me this year, or that's not this year, it's 2023, 2022, at the end of 2022, sacred geometry came in in a big way for me. Um, I'm starting to sing tone. And when I sing in tone, I sing in tone in ge sacred geometry. Um, and so 
I didn't do that until um, sacred geometry pops into my life. Um, and then Thoth comes through as Hermes. And it was really important because in a way he's like the, the alchemist in a way, like he's showing me how to alchemize sound to shape, to form. So that was it's something I can share because it's important for all of us to know that like, if we feel like there's a wall, maybe there's a different version that needs to come through and teach us because we get comfortable. I get comfortable with a kosh though. Well, I'm cozy, right? Like, oh, they're my friend and I know them. I know. And like, I don't know this guy, this man who just walked through, who's like sitting in my sacred space. Who is this? But handing me my, my sacred keys that I know are, are mine that nobody else has. So I'm, I know that this is a new relationship I need that I have to trust. And it expanded me to a point where like, I've never made music in my life and I'm like, I like have a MIDI recorder and keyboard and I'm just making music now. Um, I'll have to share some, but it's, um, it's that was, very, you saw my mouth opening for that. Like, will you share some? Um, yeah, it's very, um, at the beginnings, this only happened, I think we started in October. Did we start in October? Yeah, we started in Equinox. September. And so I really didn't get the, the, like, the keys to making music until, um, November, end of November, beginning of December. Um, and my, um, my, my sacred union partner, um, he's a drummer and he plays the guitar and, but that's not the kind of, we're not, we, we can make music together, which is important, but it's like, I have to make my own music. Mm, you are your own. And so mm. I'm just learning how to do that. I don't know how to do it. I'm learning all about MIDI. I've got a nice laptop. I can't wait to hear Sabrina. Yeah, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be tones, but like probably like, like sacred beats. So it's going to be more dance, beautiful. That's going to be the style. I'll share some with everybody. Um, you know, I'm going to start sharing it on my, my Insta when I get a chance. Um, you so. want to tell us what your Insta is if for anyone who might want to keep up with Sabrina? Yeah, um, I'm on um, at Mysteries Within. And I don't know if I have an underscore. Do you guys mind if I check? Well, <laughs> well, I can also just find that out. Mysteries Within. Yeah, I'll put it, we can put it in. <laughs> But mysteries at mysteries within is is my insta and um it's just me just my musings and pretty soon my music so <laughs> and you and your musings and your music from the first time I ever saw you do a healing on someone that was what twenty nineteen maybe we did an apprenticeship beginning at twenty twenty shit I know almost almost two years or almost three years ago. Um, and I remember, uh, I was blessed enough that I've met, I've gotten to hang out with you a few times, um, IRL, <laughs> flesh to flesh yes. and watching you do healings and like the way that shit came through for you and what you channeled, like sister, pure power, pure love, pure, um, purely you, because even at that point in time, you weren't studying anything. Thanks. Yeah. That's one thing like, um, and thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Healing is like to, to do a healing session is like 
one of my greatest joys and people that come to me like I'll it's I don't go out and perform them on purpose they just have it's like as needed as it comes through I feel it and I know it um but it's um I'm not like allowed to associate it with anything but just to channel it through and it was really hard for me at the beginning when um to accept it does that make sense to accept what was coming through as okay because it didn't come from any lineage because it didn't come from because it just literally just came from hollow bones just yours yeah yeah and it was what it was and it is it is what it is you know it's mostly um tone and hands and energy work and energy weaving weaving energy i feel like as soon as you talk my hands activate um yeah I'm like, oh, it's sweaty. Getting turned on. Oh, yeah. And the downloads when you were talking about Foth and, uh, or I guess Hermes. I like to do the Hermes at times. Like, Hermes. I know he was like Hermes. Yeah, very. You know what's so interesting? That was like my favorite scent. Hermes had a scent that I just loved. It was like something gold, something I can't remember. And I remember I used to always wear it. And so it's funny that he came through. I'm like, oh, have some. Well, you should probably get some, please. I know. I wonder if they still make it. I'm sure they do. Uh It was a really good, really good smell. Yeah. As soon as you started talking, like downloads activate on me. So let me just um, close out by telling you guys that we do activate off of each other. And at times that gets a little tricky when you're in containers or working with groups because we have been trained and our ego says, that's mine. Um, Really none of it is yours. And if you can be a facilitator for someone else's activation and memory and that blessing, it's kind of what we're all here for is that we'll, um, we turn each other on, we turn each other's keys on. And that isn't, that isn't you taking from anybody. It's uh, whatever it does to bring you to yours. Um, There's more obvious ways that you are um, stealing or indoctrinating or um, taking from indigenous. But for the most part, those of us who are practicing in these ways, yeah, we'll fucking feel off of each other. And that's really beautiful and something that we shouldn't judge so um we, we shouldn't respond to so weirdly of course we'll activate off yeah. of um and yeah it's also like the the group high that starts flowing is like you know you start just sort of like feeling what other people are feeling and working with each other and working off of each other it's more powerful like we're community we're one yeah, if one that. of us starts remembering, then it opens up the pathways for others to remember as well. So as long as we're not going out there trying to be Mateus and singing the songs that he is and saying that they're ours, that's where you'd have a fucking problem, right? Mm-hmm. But otherwise, we can listen to Mateus. We're like, oh, I feel that. Um, yeah. yeah. Was it the eleven eleven that he did? I think I listened all day long. Like oh, I could not God. stop. I know. Um, and most recently, Marilyn sent me the sounds of the ice cracking in the Nordic. And mm. I'm listening to that nonstop. I, I played it in the last podcast. Oh, like, I wouldn't listen to that. I'll send it to you. It's, um, you know, it's, it's powerful what we do as a collective. <clears throat> I think of like, and I know this is just silly, but like Argentina won the World Cup in Qatar, which is in the Middle East, which is near Egypt. And all the work he did was to like swap the two. <sighs> And I just think of that. He didn't even mention it. I'm just like, but do you see, like, how crazy is that? You know, like, it's like Qatar is like right across the, like, there's like a water inlet in Egypt. It's like interesting. 
But he'll talk um, about Aaron Carter in a way where I'm like, fucking Aaron Carter. Hey, but that, it's a good lesson time. to recognize that all of us are so connected that we've had lifetimes, even with people that we might not even like, like Aaron Carter, right? Let's just, like, if we want to, be, we I, still I, have um, had these loving moments with these people. I have, um, I have dreams probably about once or twice a month about this one famous musician. Um, and that's that when I've gone back into past lives, I'm like, what? Cause I feel like a fucking fangirl, like it's gross. But um, if I go back, I'm like, oh no, no, there's lots of past lives. And my rule is like, if you want to come through in this life, you come to me, I don't come to you because that's mm-hmm. where it gets a little tricky. Um, but yeah, like the, the level of intimacy that we have in dream, not sex. Uh, I don't think we've ever had sex in a dream, but like there will be things that I dream about that I then see in his feed online where I'm like, yeah, that's not just me um, <laughs> tapping in. It's lots of overlap because we've all lived very rich tapestries of life and experiences and pasts and histories and futures and potentialities oh, and parallel lives and holy. <sighs> Um, so Sabrina, I'm so grateful that in this life we got to find each other again and whatever other lives we get to do. And, um, and without being, uh, I call your daughter, my goddaughter. Uh, I don't mean to claim that in some ways, but like, I know that little soul. So very, um, I love her. So thanks for bringing her through to um, be a part of this again, too. Thanks for her. (laughs) She's the one who decided to come on through. (laughs) Love you, Luna. I was just the best. <laughs> uh, Thank you, was, Andy. That was trickier for me whenever I was pregnant, feeling like I was just the vessel for this thing. I got a little pissed. So, thank you for being a worthy. That, that's your small. That's your little small self being like, but I'm more than a vessel. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> and then your higher self is like, no, dude, you're just no. a vessel. <laughs> just a portal, moving some shit through. Mm-hmm. Get used to it. It's what you're doing for the rest of your life. <laughs> Thank you, Mama. I love you. Thank you. Love you, too. Bye.